John chapter 9. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 5. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we've already been so blessed with the singing of hymns, the reading of thy most precious word. What a glorious chapter, Psalm 66. We've been blessed with singing psalms. Lord, truly our hearts have been tuned to sing thy praise. Lord, I pray that this morning everything that we do and say, everything that we think, would bring you honor and glory. Let us be reminded of the warning you gave your children of Israel when they entered into the land of milk and honey. When they were full, that they should not forget you and your blessings. Help us, dear God, we pray, when we're full of the goodness and riches of God's grace and mercy in Christ, Lord, not to forget thee. Lord, to be reminded that we're gathered here on Sundays to worship your precious name, to sing your praise, and to be forever thankful for your goodness and mercy in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified this morning. Let your light so shine within the hearts of those that know not Christ, that they might see their need, and Lord, they would flee to thee. And Lord, may that light which you've shown upon our hearts as your children, be it many years ago, may it, Lord, once again, refresh our soul and fill us with joy in believing. Thank you, dear God, for your rich mercy and grace in Christ Jesus. May you now be glorified in all that we say and do, for it's Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Jesus answered, verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, I find in these words of Christ, divine exhortation not only of great mercy and grace but also one of the greatest urgency for Christ declares that he has come into the world to work the works of him who sent him yet this work he said must be done while it is day for night he says is coming without a shadow of doubt 
night is coming when no man can work. The works that he was sent to work are of God. Yet those works which are in regards to the saving of sinful man, Christ declares, are limited. Listen to me this morning. Listen to the Word of God. The works which He is sent to do are the works of God. And these works are in the regards of saving sinful men. These works Christ Himself declares are limited. Because the night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Limited not because of any weakness or inability of God, but by man's brief and fleeting life in this present world. That is why they are limited. Not limited because of God, but limited because your lifetime in this world is but brief. It's a fleeting moment. Day is here, but night quickly cometh. So the works of which Christ said He came to do in God's name are limited because you and I live such a brief life. It's limited because of this fleeting life which we live. And if we do not see the light while there is day, night will come and engulf our eternal souls. And when that happens, no man can work. Think about that for a minute. I've pondered these words all week and they continue to astonish me that God, who is infinite and eternal, is not limited by anything. Christ would say, the works I've come to do are limited not by my Father nor by me, nor by the lack of the work lacking energy or power, but it's limited because you only have a short, brief time. And if this work of God is not manifested in you in that short, brief time, eternal darkness shall engulf you and your soul forever. And there God cannot, will not work. If the works of God which Christ alone must work in a man while it is day, then the night of death will quickly come upon him when Christ cannot do such a work. Listen to the words of Christ. It's amazing that God would, would limit this work, not because of him, but because of our brief life. It's amazing when you think about that. Do you sense the urgency like we spoke last week of the work that he said he must do? I must work the works of him that sent me? But in verse 4 and 5, we sense even a greater urgency. This work is limited. It's limited, Christ says. Man wants to believe he has a chance after death. That's not the point. That's not going to happen. Christ said, when the night cometh, no man can work. He's talking about death. When death falls upon you and you have not had the works of God manifested in you by the saving grace of Christ, no man can help you. No man can work. You're doomed forever. With every breath you take, with every beat of your heart, night draw closer and closer. Christ puts an urgency on this. 
Lord is appointed unto man once to die. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed. Appointed. Listen to that. It's appointed. You can't avoid it. You can't flee from it. You can't escape it. It's appointed. Not only by men's sins, the wages of sin are death, but by God's decree on account of sin. It's been appointed. It's appointed unto men once, once, once to die. But after this, the judgment. There's nothing in between there. Once you die, judgment. There's nothing in between that. There's no hope. If dark cometh, if night cometh, if death cometh, and you have not had the works of God manifested in you by the grace of God. The more I pondered these words this week, the more I was amazed and astonished that sinful man would be so ignorant and blind that he would not sense the urgency of what Christ is saying. And then when we look upon this world, and as I spoke with my brother yesterday and people last week about the condition of this present world and that there seems to be a famine of souls being converted, it bothers me tremendously, not only as a preacher but as a Christian. Why has God seemed to sovereignly veil this light which Christ speaks of is in him. Why do we not see mass conversions like in latter days? Why do we not see more people coming to Christ? And it troubles me. It troubles me. That sinful man would only comprehend how swiftly the night of death will come. And that the day of this present life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while, James says, a little while, and then vanisheth away, vanish away, he says, into eternal darkness. That man does not comprehend this. I pray this morning that you, if you're here without Christ, would understand the danger that stands right before you and that you would grasp the urgency even if you don't sense or feel that you're in darkness that you would take the time to flee or pray to Christ plead to Christ that if it be true that he would be merciful to you and show you before night comes upon you unawaited and unprepared and ushers you into utter darkness where no man, no man can work. We're in John chapter 3. I'm going to read all these verses from 16 to 21. I want you to listen to this. Isn't it amazing? The Lord spoke just a moment ago about the night cometh. Isn't it amazing that Nicodemus cometh to Christ at night? under the veil of darkness. Listen to what our Lord says here in the context. For God so loved the world, 3.16, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His, world, not His Son into the world to condemn the world. I wish you could grasp that. 
but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And watch this. And this, he says, and this is the condemnation. Here's the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, made manifest, they are wrought in God. There's the works of God, of which Christ speaks in John 9. And this is the condemnation. Beloved, the divine condemnation is not in or because of the light. Listen to his words. The condemnation is not in or because of the light, but because when the light came into the world, Christ, listen to this, men loved the darkness rather than the light. So the condemnation is not in the light. Christ is not condemning you this morning. You're already condemned being outside of God. He's not, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So the condemnation is not in the light. It's in you loving rather darkness than light. Light has come into the world, yet men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You need to pay attention to what Christ is saying here. Men loved darkness rather than light. Beloved, this is no ordinary love, nor is it anything like the love or charity of which Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 13. But the love of which these men loved, the darkness, is a sensual and carnal affection for the darkness because, Christ says, it hides or conceals their evil deeds. Therefore, he hates the light. The light is good. But you, as a sinner, rejects it because it reveals, condemns your evil deeds. And so, therefore, though the light is good and he's come into the world to save you, you reject that. You hate that. And therefore, sinful man would rather remain in darkness than come to the light, Christ says, lest their evil deeds be reproved or discovered in verse 20, lest his deeds should be reproved. So you see, it's not the light which is the condemnation. It's your love for the darkness. Now stay with me. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said, let us come together and reason. The Lord said, let me reason with you this morning from the Word of God. Let me reason with you that are yet without Christ. Let me, please listen. This is why so many of you this morning are yet blind and ignorant of the light of Christ. For your love for the darkness blinds you to the light of His saving grace. But, one might say, preacher, I don't feel or sense any affection for darkness. Let me explain that to you. Why? 
first of all, uh, the Lord said he came, or the prophet and even the Lord said, or John the Baptist said when he proclaimed Christ's coming, that he came to those who sit in darkness. Sitting means you're resting, you're relaxed, you're comfortable in the dark, you're sitting in it. You yourself at the moment, before the gospel's preached and the light begins to shine in and convict, and repute your sins. You're sitting in darkness. You might not even be aware that you're sitting in the darkness. You're this morning. You don't even believe that you love the darkness. So let me tell you something. Your lack or absence of love for Christ is the evidence that you are yet dead in your sins and a lover of darkness. Do you hear me? Your lack or absence of love for Christ proves you're still in darkness. Whether you sense it, whether you feel it, whether you believe it, your lack of love or absence of love for Christ is evident that you're still in darkness, you're sitting in it, and you see no cares or problems. And therefore you hate it when it's preached, the light of the gospel. That's not me. As we'll see in a few minutes, the Pharisee said, Are we too blind? The Lord said, If you say you see, you're blind. And you're comfortable where you sit in the darkness, but I'm telling you, you might not sense or feel that you're in darkness, but I'm telling you, if you lack or the absence of love of Christ is in your life, you are in darkness. That should begin to worry you. That should begin to convict you. John the Baptist's message was, Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He didn't say walk. Flee. Hastily. Run with passion. Flee from the wrath to come. In Pilgrim's Progress, Christian said, I've got to flee the city of destruction. Sinners sit in the darkness and feel no urgency. They feel no sense of danger. They feel no urgency to turn to Christ because everything feels and sense-wise feels okay. You're not okay. Do you realize that? You're not okay. Again, your absence of love for Christ proves you're still in darkness. The Pharisees and all hypocrites are under the same condemnation. Look over in John chapter 9. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. John chapter 9 and verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment, I am come into this world. Now, in John 3, he said, I didn't come to condemn. Here he said, But for judgment I've come. Listen to the words of, for judgment I have come into the world that they which see not might see. And they that and they which see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees were with him, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. That's a profound statement, isn't it? Christ often said something very profoundly. He said, I've come for judgment. 
I've come for those who say they see to prove that they're blind and those that are blind that they might see. Professors who profess to see and yet are blind to the saving light of Christ's grace. The Pharisee said, no, we see. Christ said, no, you don't. You're blind. Their blindness was far greater than that of the man born physically blind. You know that? Just like yours, your blindness. You don't realize you're blind. You're like the Pharisees. I preach your everything's all right. I feel no urgency. I feel no threat. I feel no danger. I'm, I'm fine. I go through life. I live my life. I'm good. I go to church. I mean, I, you know, I listen to, uh, you know, people reading the Bible. I listen to preaching. I listen to my mom and dad read the Bible and I'm praying. I'm in a, I'm a safe home. I'm in a Christian home. I feel secure and I feel safe. You're blind. You're blind. You're in darkness and you don't even sense that. You don't even know that. As long as I am in the world, which means I won't be there very long. The message won't be very long. The gospel light will not shine very long. And as soon as you die, the gospel light is put out. Do you know that? It's put out. Imagine that. It'll be cast into outer darkness, Christ said. Outer darkness. A darkness that man can feel and sense, that's real, that's a darkness of torment. He says, once you pass that, once night cometh and overtaketh your soul, you will be cast into utter darkness to where you will no more hear or see or comprehend the light of the gospel. It's shut out to you forever. It's shut out to you forever. I wish sinners would comprehend that. I wish they would comprehend that. And Christians and preachers pray and they weep and they cry and they fast and they say, God, be merciful to them. Open up their eyes that they might see and yet they still sit in their darkness and feel no danger, no urgency to flee to Christ and think everything is fine and well. And it's not. You're like the Pharisees. I I see. Christ says, no, you're blind. There are multitudes who profess to see. I think we're living in a generation where we've never seen so many who profess to see, yet who are blind. We meet people every day on the street, in the job, in our families. Oh, yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And yet they, their lives are contrary to what the Bible expects or demands of them. And they say, no, but I see. They're like the Pharisees. I'm religious. I can see. And they're blind. Sometimes as Christians, we get so frustrated with people that are like that that we just want to grab them and shake them. You don't understand what Christianity is. You don't understand what Christ does when he saves someone. He doesn't doesn't just simply save you that you can say, I'm going to heaven. He saves you and makes you a new creature. You're, You're new in Christ. You have the light of Christ, therefore you walk no more in darkness. You walk no more in darkness. If you walk in darkness, you're not of Christ. Can't you comprehend that? Can't you see that? Oh, everybody sins. Yes, everybody sins. But Christ came that we might have light and life. People who profess to know Christ, yet who love darkness more than light. 
and their actions and their conduct and their lifestyle. Prove they're blind, yet they profess and they declare that they see. In John chapter 15, verse 22, 22, the Lord says this. He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they had, had not had sin. John 15, 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. What do you mean? Sin came about first when he spoke to them? No, that's not what he's saying. I'll explain that in a minute. But listen to me. Christ has come, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confine this to the group here this morning. Christ has come often and spoke to you. But now they have no cloak, no cover, excuse for their sin. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had, had not had sin. But now they have no cloak, no cover, no excuse for their sins. Christ has come in the preaching of the gospel, in the prayers of the saints, in the singing of the psalms, in the singing of the hymns. The light has been here. He has spoken to you. And now you have no cloak for your sin. Do you comprehend the level of danger that you're in because of that? Had it been better, you had never heard a hymn or sung a psalm or heard a word of God preached or the gospel preached. It had been better because Christ said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they had had no sin. But now, because I have spoken to them, you have no cloak. If it was never clear to you before, hopefully, prayerfully, with this verse of John chapter 15 in our text this morning in the gospel that is clear to you now. Christ has come and spoken to you often. And yet you sit in your darkness, loving it rather than Christ. They had had not sin. They had not been so guilty, listen to me, so sinful as they are now. That's what he means. Every man's born in sin, but he said they had not been so guilty, so sinful as they. In other words, he said they are now more sinful than ever before. Why? Because they've heard the words I've spoken to them, and they did not listen. They are now utterly, Christ says, without excuse, no cloak for their sin. Something we can learn from what Christ is saying here. Religious privileges can be a very dangerous thing. Listen to me. They can be a very dangerous thing when they do not help us to see Christ. Remember Peter? <clears throat> he said it's better that they have not known the way of truth than to know it and then walk away from it. Same principle here. You are truly blessed, <clears throat> or were if you were in a family of, that was a Christian. You're truly blessed to be born in the house or in the family of godly parents. Countless people do not have that privilege. 
and yet that privilege brings great responsibility. Because that privilege does not automatically exclude you from sitting in darkness. If that privilege that God has sovereignly given you to sit under the love and prayers of godly parents you have no cloak for your sins men loved <coughs> excuse me darkness rather than light and you make that choice every time you hear the gospel preached and you're here without Christ or you're listening without Christ. Every time you hear the gospel preached, you have that. You make a choice. Oh, I know people who embrace the doctrines of grace hate that word. But Christ said they love darkness rather than light. There's a choice. There's something there. I'm not going to get off into the theology aspect of that and try to explain divine election and all that. Uh, but let me tell you something. When God opens your eyes and gives you light, there's a choice it's made. It is. It's guided by God's divine sovereignty, yes, but there's a choice it's made. What must I do to be saved? Well, I don't know. Just wait until God kind of sends a lightning bolt. And, no. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What must I do this morning to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> yeah, but preacher, I'm waiting for some kind of mystical, some you know, something to happen, you know, inwardly or outwardly. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for something to just an emotion to override me, to over uh, compel me, overwhelm me, and and make me feel like I'm raptured up to heaven. Isn't that what salvation is? No, that's not what salvation. A lot of times, that proves to be a false salvation, based on carnal sensuality and emotions, not on divine truth. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that shall be saved. <clears throat> We're in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Again, listen to the Word of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. God has given every man, woman, and child in this room and in the world a witness. Stay with me. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Where is the wrath of God revealed? From heaven. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Somebody's holding the truth in unrighteousness. Listen to the wording. Because, this is why, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, in them, manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. You say, preacher, God's not showed me anything. Yes, he has. When you awoke this morning, you see that sunrise on the on the horizon? That's God showing you that. When you see the stars at night, that's God showing you that. You know that even creation speaks. Uh, Psalm chapter 19, heavens declare the glory of God. You know God's given you witness. Every day God's given you witness. How can you be so dull of hearing? He's given you witness. <clears throat> now watch this verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Clearly seen. 
being understood. They're, they're seen and understanding, but the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen to that. They're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Listen to the Word of God. God has not left Himself without a witness. But in His great mercy and grace, God has showed it unto them, Paul says, for from the invisible things of the world are clearly seen. Being understood, he says, by the things that are made, creation, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Again, like Christ said, there's no cloak, no excuse. You're out without excuse. See, while you're looking for this lightning bolt to strike you out of heaven, or some emotional high to lift you up to the third heavens, Christ is simply saying, I've given you a witness every day of your life. I've witnessed to you. I've, I've manifested myself to you in creation, the invisible things. You've understood them. They're clearly understood. Now, this is amazing because we believe in total depravity of man, that man cannot understand the things of God when he's lost in sin, and yet God gives man a reason and an intellect. That's what he's saying. He gives every man a reason and an intellect. He's not left without a witness. So you're without excuse. Look, we're in John chapter 1. Let me show you again. John chapter 1, verse 6. Again, the Lord explains it here of him being the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Is that light again. Now watch this. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. Now, I will humbly confess this morning that there has been many arguments and debates over this passage of Scripture. But let's just stick to the very words themselves. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. If you'll read Scripture, unlike the beasts, God has sovereignly endowed all mankind with a measure of reason and intelligence. That they might know the distinction of right or wrong within their conscience. That's what he's talking about. This isn't the light of salvation, it's the light of intelligence and reason. Though it is corrupt by sin, God has given every man into this world light. Martin Luther said it best. He understood it well. If anybody knew about the depravity of man, surely Martin Luther did. He wrote that book of the will of bondage of the will. Martin Luther was one who said it. If man would just listen to his conscience, he'd come to Christ. Who gave you that light of conscience about right or wrong? It's God. You know, you're sitting here this morning hearing this and in your mind you're going, wait a minute, what if the preacher's right and this and that? That's the light 
that God's given every man coming to the world. It's called conscience. Sin clouds it and darkens that conscience. Yes. Corrupts it, yes. But it's still there. It's still there. That's the mercy and grace of God. Yet only the light of Christ can clear that up that you can clearly see. I am the light of the world. Back to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as he's in the world, I'm the light of the world. The works I've been sent to do, they're my father, but I have to do them while it's day. Why? Because night's coming when I can't. Now, it's hard to understand, especially if you embrace and know something about the sovereignty of God, even though that's a huge subject, that God can say or would say there's something he can't do. But God has sovereignly committed himself to limitation. Your opportunity to have my works manifested in you are only why you are in the day of living. When you die, you're cut off. There's no help. Nothing there. That's why Christ said in John 12, I am come a light into the world. What a blessing. What a glorious blessing in that. I have come a light in the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Do you see that? Should not abide in darkness. You're not going to stay there unless you love the darkness rather than light. I'm light. John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See that? But he that doeth truth, Christ said, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. I like that, cometh to the light. He's not constrained. He's not forced. God's not dragging you. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. Neither will he come to the light. Why? Because these deeds are evil. Amen? He hates the light, so he doesn't come. But those that do truth, those that accept it, those that realize that, consciously wise. You know God works through your mind before he does your heart. God does not want you to be ignorantly saved. Do you know that? I'm not saying I'm talking about doctrinal regeneration, but he'll look through your mind. He's going to prove to you. He's going to show you in your mind just exactly what you are. And when he does that, he does that work of grace. Then he gives you a heart of flesh and takes away the heart of stone. He works through your mind. So it's your mind. And everybody's looking for some kind of emotional high. I want some kind of a spiritual experience. Preacher, I don't know if I'm saved. Why? I haven't felt anything emotionally high. I haven't been struck by lightning. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. One of those hymns, which unfortunately in our hymn book, they take a verse out of it. And can it be that I should came 
one of those verses is, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. You remember, child of God? Oh, I do. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeons flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Give of immortal gladness. Fill us with the light of day. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <clears throat> Christ is the light of the world. And that light, this very moment, this very day, this very time in your life, Christ is shining light. What do I do? I rose. I rose up from my sins. Went forth. Followed thee. As in Christ's stead, we beseech thee to be reconciled with God. I don't think I could ever imagine the emotion that flowed through Paul when he said that, but in some small manner as a preacher, I believe I do. When Paul says, we beseech thee in Christ's stead, in Christ's stead, we beseech thee, we beg, we plead thee, be reconciled to God, who had made Christ to be sin for you, who knew no sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. Dear God, I pray that he would open up your eyes, that you would see that dungeon flamed with light and your chains will fall off and your heart be made free that you will rise and go forth and follow Christ and never more abide in darkness. Amen. May that be the case in someone's heart this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Paul said that when he came to them preaching the gospel, he came not with wisdom of men's words in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit that their faith would not be found in men, the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Lord, how many, I wonder, in this day and age in which we live, how many's faith are resting in the wisdom of men? Let me not be guilty of that, dear God, I pray. May no one rest in the wisdom, the poor wisdom of men's words this morning. But Lord, may the power of the Spirit prove itself by shining within the hearts of those that are yet sitting in darkness. May they for the first time realize and see the light. And Lord, even though it may be at first dim, maybe just a flicker, Lord, I pray that you would convict them not to rest until, Father, they see the fullness of thy salvation in Christ. How many of us here this morning, before we were converted, how many of us, Lord, were drawn by cords of love before that moment when you brought us salvation? Like the blind man who first saw trees. And Lord, like this blind man who at first knew not Christ, but Lord, you found him later and showed him yourself and he believed and worshipped you. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in 
working in the hearts, minds, and consciences of those who are yet in darkness. Let the light of thy glorious gospel, the power of God, shine within their hearts and in their minds. And may they rise, go forth, and follow thee. Lord, we ask these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.